Well, this last Tuesday, uh, we heard of the homegoing of an incredible man of God, Ravi Zacharias. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, if you're not familiar with him, was just an incredible servant of the Lord. 48 years of preaching in over 70 countries. He's authored over 30 books, and he just had a way of preaching all around the world about Jesus in a very eloquent, intellectual, warm, but bold way, making a case for why the Christian worldview answers some of the deepest questions of humanity. And so uh, we're going to miss Ravi being here, but he's left behind a great legacy and lots of content and resources. Uh, There's no doubt that he's with his Savior hearing those words we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, But there's something about Ravi that he shared in uh, this last season of his life. And I want you to hear from him personally because he really has an understanding of how God can use our weaknesses to really show off his strengths. And that's something that Ravi talked about as uh, he was in one of his last recorded interviews before he went into the hospital. He was doing an interview with a ministry in Canada. And I just want to show you a brief clip of what he said and then come back around afterwards and talk about it more. So please watch this clip. I've lived with a lot of pain with a broken back. I have two titanium rods that are about eight inches long, four clamps, eight screws bolting me down. I injured my back very badly. There were times I'd be sitting in the front seat with a car pulling over my face and I had on my steering wheel and crying. The pain was so intense. And you know what I found, how much it has taught me to depend on him every day to sustain me. There are two things I need with this lifestyle, a strong back and strong vocal cords, and I have neither. And God has shown me that in my weakness has manifested his strength and how his healing hand even came through on my back after years and years of suffering. There is an emotional satisfaction when I know that there is a cross There is a hill called Calvary. There is a suffering savior. There is a relationship where he gives me comfort. God does not conquer in spite of the dark mystery of evil. He conquers through it. He conquers through evil and pain and suffering and makes you the person he intended you to be through that. Well, I hope you enjoyed those words. You know, Ravi shared how he saw his pain, his struggles, his weaknesses as a reminder to depend on God and to trust God and let God use those pains and struggles to glorify himself. In fact, did you catch what he said? He said, God has shown me in my weaknesses, he manifests his strength. Are you in a place right now where you too can say that God has shown you that in your weaknesses, God is showing off his strength? This can only happen if we're in a place of trust and great dependence on God. In fact, God can do more through our weaknesses than we could ever do in our strength. 
And that is so counterintuitive to our human nature to embrace our weaknesses, to actually celebrate them because we know that God is allowing and even using those weaknesses to show off his strength. And so here's a question I have for you. What is one of your greatest weaknesses? And when I say that, I'm not talking about a temptation. I'm not talking about a poor choice or, or something that's coming from you. You know, it's not uh, like, oh, ice cream is one of my great weaknesses or a lust or a sinful choice. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a weakness that is outside of your control. It's circumstantial. It's something in your genetics, perhaps. Or maybe it's a circumstance in your life that's come upon you or a wound, but there's a weakness in your life. Have you come to this place where you understand that this weakness can be used for God to demonstrate his strength. In fact, I just want to give you 60 seconds right now. Whoever you're with, hopefully you're in a room with somebody watching the service, would you just answer that question amongst yourself for about 60 seconds? What is one of your greatest weaknesses? So talk about that for 60 seconds. All right, welcome back. Thanks for doing that. One of my greatest weaknesses is my eyesight. As you can see, I've got these thick, thick glasses. Uh, I got them early as a kid. And the reason I have these glasses is because, as you can imagine, I have terrible eyesight. So when I take these glasses off, a couple things happen. One, uh, everything gets fuzzy and everything gets distorted. In fact, if I were to relax, I have an eye dominance issue. My left eye will actually cross in. So my eyesight is jacked up. And so I was given these glasses as a young kid. But the glasses have really brought a limitation into my life. I mean, whether it's uh, in the shower, trying to figure out if it's shampoo or conditioner, obviously a previous issue in my life, okay? Um, whether it was swimming, whether it was sports I wanted to play, but I couldn't. And I think even some uh, confidence in my life. A lot of these have flowed out of having glasses and poor uh, eyesight in my life. It's a weakness, but it's a weakness I've learned to live with. And I would say that every time I reach for these glasses, I'm reminded that something I wish was different in my life. But somehow I've seen God use that weakness in my life to really showcase his power in me and sometimes even through me. So I want to get back to our topic. How can our weaknesses be used by God to show off his strength in your life, my life, and our life together as the body of Christ. Well, during uncertain times, and during times when we encounter hardship, our temptation is to rely 
on our own strength. Uh, it's our time to uh, look at our weaknesses. And on, honestly, during uncertain times, we hate our weaknesses. We wish we didn't have them. We want to be seen as strong. We want to feel strong. And so in a minute, I want to turn to a passage where we see another incredible man of God speak on this issue. And this is the Apostle Paul, the great first century convert to Christianity. If you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, uh, he was a fierce persecutor of the Christian faith in the first century, a Jewish man, but he had an encounter with the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ, and it changed his life forever. And so I invite you right now to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to look at some passages and talk about it, and then look at some passages and then talk about them. But I encourage you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 11, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 30. And we're going to enter a moment where the Apostle Paul is talking to first century Christians who are living in the city of Corinth, which is in the southern middle uh, area of Greece. And he's trying to encourage them in their faith because, honestly, they're tempted to veer off because some false teachers are stirring up some false teaching, including... Uh, trusting in their own strength. And so Paul is uh, rebuffing that. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And here in verses 24 through 30, here's what we're going to see. Paul is going to talk about some specific hardships that he's experienced. We've all experienced hardships, but I think when you see this list, we realize we have not encountered a lot of what the Apostle Paul encountered. So 2 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 24, he says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one, 39 whippings uh, per session. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, those are non-Jews, right, pagans, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, betrayal, and people who were working against him, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often, not sometimes, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Then Paul says, who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness." What an incredible recounting of Paul's hardships. He had experienced 195 lashings. He was beaten severely. He was left for dead after a crowd pummeled him with stones. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been floating out in the water a whole night, a whole day. And then he was always on the move putting himself in harm's way from flooded rivers, from thieves, from hostile first century Jews that wanted to kill him for what they thought was betrayal, uh, hostile non-Jews that were irritated by him teaching about Jesus. Um, no matter where he went, land, water, sea, harsh wilderness, his life 
was a stake. And he knew what it was like to work for food and shelter. And he was familiar with being deprived of food, water and sleep and necessary clothing. All this was external hardships that he had endured. And then he said, did you catch this? On top of that, the external pressures, he also had internal pressure. He carried anxiety. That's the word he used for the vulnerable new churches that were popping up because they were vulnerable to false teaching, to sin creeping in and luring people away from a a faithfulness to Christ. And he, he carried that in his heart. So his point, I know weakness intimately. I've been taken to the edge of death multiple times. I've been as weak as a person could be without dying. And he boasts in that. Why? Because those weak moments revealed his need for God, his dependence on God. And he saw first person how God used those moments of weakness to showcase, show off his strength. So it kept him fiercely dependent on God. Are we there yet? Like, are we in that same place where we can boast about our weaknesses? I know I'm not there. I mean... We encounter hardships. We either try and pretend when hardships happen that they're not there and we're strong and it doesn't bother us, or uh, we whine and moan and complain and, and seek out sympathy and empathy and try to manipulate people because of our hardships and special treatment. Either one of those situations, trying to pretend the hardships don't bother us or trying to manipulate people because of them, both those situations mean we're not trusting God. And in case you don't think we have a humility issue or that we're not afraid of being seen as weak, don't look any further than our social media feeds. I mean, think about what our social media feeds sometimes really say. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Here I am doing this cool thing. Here um, I am making this cool thing. Here I am experiencing this cool thing. Here's my strong opinion. Here's all this information that I know. Here's my body. Here's my muscles. Here's the trip I earned with my new job. Here's my glam shot, right? Took me an hour to get ready, 25 takes to get just the right angle, but boy, don't I look good. And so there's nothing wrong with sharing enjoyable moments and exciting times in our life on our social media platforms, but if we're going to be really honest, we try to showcase strength, our own strength, instead of saying, you know what, there's weakness here. And I'm going to be okay with my weakness because God's going to use it somehow to demonstrate his strength. In fact, I wonder what our social media would look like if we simply asked this question before we posted anything. How will this show off God's power and God's glory? I think that would change some of the things I post. (laughs) Well, we all experience and are experiencing right now some of what Paul experienced. External pressures, right? Maybe it's a health issue or there's an income loss or a relational conflict. Uh, Maybe there's something putting pressure on us from the outside, right? But we're also experiencing internal pressures, burdens for hurting family members, uh, heart pain over prodigal children, anxiety and fears relating to providing for our family or getting sick or what other issues might be causing fear in our life. Although we would all agree that Paul's hardships were on a whole different level, we can relate to having external and internal hardships, which expose our weaknesses. See, God wants us to learn how not to only embrace our weaknesses, but to appreciate the hardships that reveal them because they remind us to be dependent on God and that we need to trust him because God can do more 
in our weaknesses than we could ever do with our own strength. Well, Paul doesn't stop here. He, God keeps his pen going. And so I want to jump to uh, a continuation of this thought that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So move from 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 30, to 2 Corinthians 12. Let's look at verses 7 through 10 together. Let's start with verse 7. Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. You're thinking, what is this about? Well, if you read the verses before, basically, God has given the Apostle Paul an incredible supernatural download. In fact, Paul says, I don't know if I was having a vision or if I was actually transported to heaven, but I got to see heaven. I got to come to a place of having an incredible understanding of supernatural mysteries. And God gave this to me, and I'm not, I'm not to share all those. Well, how do we feel when we feel like we have information other people don't have? Or we have special access to something that other people don't get? You know what that does to us? We get arrogant. We get pretty proud of ourselves. And so Paul's saying, I got this incredible supernatural download, and God, in his wisdom, knew that to keep me from getting too inflated of an ego, gave me this thorn. In fact, you see that God actually used the devil, right? He says he used the evil one as a pawn, almost delegated to him, gave him access to Saul's life, Paul's life, to bring this thorn into his life. He says, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Paul knew that this was an anti-pride tactic that God was bringing in his life. And so God gave Paul this thorn. It was some sort of spiritual opposition or some sort of physical weakness or some limitation that he was experiencing to keep him humble. What was the thorn? We have no idea. And there's so much speculation around that. Maybe it was headaches, malaria. It could have been a, a, an actual person that was always against him and causing issues. Uh, it could have been a specific temptation. There's, there's all sorts of speculation. We don't need to know what the thorn was. It's more important that we know why God gave it to him. Well, Paul told us why. To keep him from becoming arrogant, prideful, and conceited. So what does that mean for us? I want you to think about the weaknesses that you struggle with, the weaknesses you don't like that are in your life. Is it possible that God is allowing you to have that weakness to keep you from becoming prideful and arrogant? Is it possible that that weakness is a constant in your life because God wants to keep you humble and dependent on him? Well, that's the case that Paul's making. And that's the case that God is making through Paul to us. Now, Let's go back to your weakness. How has God used it to keep you humble? Can you just think about that for a second? Like think about one of your greatest weaknesses that, that really you're uncomfortable with. How has God used that to keep you humble? And how has God used that to keep you dependent on him? See, weakness is not a sin. It's an invitation to trust God. So there are certain weaknesses we have to accept and embrace. Well, what did Paul do with this weakness that was harassing him and humbling him? Well, look at verse 8. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Paul asked God to take it away, just like we do. I'm sure all of us have asked God to remove the weaknesses in our life. But look what God's response was in verse 9. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. A couple observations we need to make about this moment. One, it was okay for Paul to ask God to remove the thorn. See, the thorn wasn't a punishment for sin. It was a painful and unwelcome factor in his life to keep him humble. But he still asked God to remove it. And he asked three times. I find this interesting. He asked three times and then he was done. Why not 300 times? Why not 3,000 times? It's so interesting because many times in Scripture, uh, we're told by the Lord to persevere in prayer. But here Paul stops persevering in prayer for some reason and just accepts that this is part of God's plan for his life. And so he came to a place of understanding that God wasn't going to take it away because if he did, it could lead Paul down a road that wouldn't be good for him. Paul didn't complain about the thorn. He didn't, you know, whine about it. He acknowledged it. He prayed that God would take it away. And then he just moved to a place of acceptance. In fact, the language here almost lets us know that maybe Paul received this thorn as a gift because it produced great fruit for God's glory and God's kingdom. Are you and I there yet that we can look at the weaknesses, the thorns in our life and go, God, thank you for this gift. I know that's not my natural reaction. So, Paul saw that although the thorn was torturous, it actually had benefit. It kept him dependent on God and his strength. Paul saw how God's power showed up through his weakness. You could even say that Paul realized that God could accomplish more through his weakness than Paul could ever accomplish in his own strength. That's what we see here as we unpack this passage. Look, we all have external and internal weaknesses, thorns, if you will. They're there to help keep us humble. It's okay to ask God to remove them. It's okay to pray for strength and for health and for healing. But what if that hardship is the way that God is keeping you close to him? What if that painful thorn is God's servant to keep you humble and dependent on him? Can you live with that? Are you okay with God allowing pain and discomfort and weakness in your life to be the stage where he shows off his power and his glory through you? See, sometimes God does more for us by giving less to us. Sometimes pain isn't always God's punishment, but actually it might be his protection from us going down a road we shouldn't go down. It could be possible that God is protecting you from a bad thing by denying you a good thing. I love what Jesus said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, God's character, God's presence, God's promises, that's all that Paul really needed. That's what he came to the conclusion to. God's grace, that's all we need. God's grace is God's kindness to us. It's his love for us. That's what we need. It's sufficient. It's all we need in life. We don't need anything else. Nothing else powers this life but God's grace. Everything we have in our life um, that's good can be beneficial, but optional. Like bonus features on a new house or a new car. Look, all we need the car to do is run, get us from point A to point B. All those other features, they're perks. And there's nothing wrong with them, but they're not essential. So all this talk we've been hearing for a while now about what's essential, what's not essential. You know what God is saying through Paul? My grace is essential. You really don't need much else. 
And so through God's grace, we have the food we eat. Through God's grace, we have the, the liquid, the water that we drink. Through God's grace, we have the shelters that we have, the clothes that we have. Through God's grace, we have the oxygen that we breathe. Through God's grace, we have relationship with God, forgiveness, salvation. All of that is through God's grace. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And that's the place of understanding that Paul arrives to, especially during trials. That's why we see Paul say what he says next. Look at verse 10. It says, for the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. And that is so not the human way to say that when I'm weak, I'm strong. We want to say when I'm strong, I'm strong. But God's ways are counterintuitive to our sinful nature. So Paul embraces, accepts, even rejoices a bit over his weakness. And he says it's for the sake of Christ because his endurance and hardships were showcasing God's power and putting it in the spotlight. And he was specific, by the way. He says, I'm content with weaknesses. So the things that were weak in his life, he says, I can live with that. And then he says, with insults, with hardships, persecutions, and calamity. I want you to think about that for a second. If we're to translate that into our own life, we need to learn through the power of Christ to be content with our weaknesses, with insults, with people insulting us, specifically for our faith. Also, with hardships, when things are hard, we need to learn to be content, even find joy in them. With persecutions, when people come against us because we love Jesus, not because of our political affiliations, not because of our opinions, that's not persecution. Persecution is when you say, I love Jesus, and people attack you verbally or physically because you love Jesus. He's saying, I can be content with that. And calamity, which is another word for tragedy. What a tall order that I'm somehow going to be content with tragedy. How is that possible? It's not apart from God's strength. And so when you are broken or broke or sick or disabled or limited or suffering or hurting or grieving, God can use these moments to show up his strength. If life knocks you down and you get back up, how? Because of God's strength. If your body is rocked with cancer, but you still love God, you still sing his praises, and you still fight for every day you can to have one more day with your family, how is that possible? God's strength. You're broke and your body hurts, but you still find a way to serve others who are in need. How is that possible? God's strength. You're emotionally exhausted. You don't even know if you can cry one more tear for your prodigal child or for your hurting loved one. But somehow you still find yourself hitting your knees, crying out to God to do something about it. How is that possible? God's strength. God's strength. God's strength. God's strength. You have wave after wave after wave of pain, loss, disappointment. But you still love God. You still trust God. You still look forward to being with Jesus. How is that possible? God's strength. See, God is going to do more through our weaknesses than we could ever do in our strength because we need to rely on his strength. And when that happens, God gets the glory. God gets the praise. God gets the credit because God can do more through our weakness than we could ever do in our strength. Now, if you don't think that statement is accurate, don't look any further than the cross. I want you to think about the cross for a minute. What a symbol of weakness, right? 
This is, this is a symbol that a man died on these two crossbeams of wood. It's a symbol of weakness. It's a symbol of death. Yet, our church buildings, our homes, our t-shirts, tattoos on our bodies, crosses around our necks, it's one of the most profound symbols in humanity. Why? Because it looks like it's weak at first until you understand the depth of the cross. It's God's strength being revealed through weaknesses. And when death and sin and the devil rejoiced over Jesus dying on the cross, little did they know it was the setup to demonstrate God's strength and power through the empty tomb, to which he then offered you and me forgiveness of sin, relationship, and restoration from our fractured relationship with him. So you don't look any further than the cross to realize that God's going to do more in weakness than we could ever give him credit for. He's going to use it for strength. And the greatest weakness that we all have in common Like some of my specific weaknesses are not your specific weaknesses. And your specific weaknesses are not the weaknesses of the person sitting next to you. But the common weakness we all have, we can't do anything about our sin. Our our defiant spirit to God, we can't do anything about it. We're weak and we're needy. Only God can resolve that issue. And he did it through Jesus on the cross. And so the reason a lot of people are going to spend eternity in hell rather than heaven is because they never come to the place of acknowledging humbly that they need God's grace, that God's grace is sufficient. They're too busy trying to be sufficient in their own human strength. I hope that all of you have come to the place where you recognize you can't do anything about your sin and you need God's grace. And if you have never done that before, if you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never acknowledged that Jesus' death on the cross was for you and for your sins, and that you can have a repaired relationship with God through believing in Jesus, I want to have a moment with you for a second. I'm calling you out to a special moment where you cross the line from disbelief to belief, from doubt to faith, from from lost to saved, from broken and apart from God to being restored in relationship with God. And if that's you, can I just pray with you for a second? Would you just pray with me? It's not the words in the prayer that make the difference. It's the heart posture as you pray this. Would you just pray, God, I need you. I'm prideful, I'm trying to be sufficient in my own strength, but I need you. I see that cross and it reminds me that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I've never believed that before, but right now, I believe. And I'm going to trust in Jesus and his death for the forgiveness of my sins to make me right with you. So come into my life, I want to follow you. If you said something like that to the Lord, our job as a church is to come alongside you and help you grow, to take your next step of faith in your relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask you to right now, get out your phone. And I'm going to ask you to text the word Jesus because you just put your faith in Jesus to the following number, 440-276-5575. And you're going to find a live person on the other end of that phone that will help you take your next steps to what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. And for all of us, What are you going to do to embrace your weakness more so that God can use it to show his power? You know, I've often wondered about my eyesight. I've learned that it gave me a heart, uh, that God gave me a heart to preach his word. God gave me a heart to um, desire to lead other people to Christ. He gave me a mouth and an opportunity to use those things he put within me. But sometimes I've wondered that if I had perfect eyesight, would I have pursued a life of more self-interest? But I felt more confident. And maybe that would have took me down a road that wouldn't have been good for me. And God in his wisdom said, you know what, Chad? I'm going to make your left eye cross. I'm going to give you bad vision. I'm going to let you have an eyesight that's going to keep you close to me and humble. And you know what? 
I'm going to go ahead and use that weakness in your life so that I can show my power to you and through you. I don't know. Sometimes that makes sense for me because I've asked. I've asked God to take away bad eyesight and give me good eyesight. And he's not done that. And so I've accepted it. And this is what God's given me. And if he can glorify himself through my weakness, then I'm perfectly fine with his grace being sufficient for me and his power being made perfect through my weakness. And my hope and prayer is that you come to that same place. I want you to think about the weakness that you've been struggling with as we've been talking about this. Can you get to that place today where you say, God, I don't like this weakness. It's unpleasant in my life. But if I have to have it to keep me close to you, if I have to have it to keep me dependent on you and to trust you, then you know what? Your grace is sufficient for me. Your power is going to be made perfect through this weakness. And so as we leave this moment here in a minute, I want to ask you to really start to pray a prayer regularly in your life. And it's really taking the words that Jesus gave Paul and that we've talked about. Would you be willing to pray with me, God, your grace is sufficient. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. In fact, can you just say that even right now? Just give you a moment to say, God, your grace is sufficient for me. Your power is made perfect in my weakness. I encourage you as you try to draw close to God, as you live a life depending on him and trusting him, that prayer becomes a regular part of your rhythm, especially when you're facing that weakness in hard times. Well, we're going to wrap up in a little bit, declaring God's goodness through another song. Uh, but I want to leave you with a discussion question. It's one of our favorite things to do because we don't want you just to end the service and turn the, turn the screen off. But if you're with other people or if you're not, get on the phone with somebody. Uh, would you talk for about five, ten minutes and answer this question amongst yourselves? How can God use your weakness to show off his power and strength? So talk about the weaknesses that you shared and brainstorm a little bit. Like, How can God use this weakness to showcase his power and his strength? Well, thanks again for being together. We're going to sing here in a moment, but let's pray together and close this teaching time. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you for the weaknesses you've allowed in our life. Only through maturity, only through trust, only through dependence can we even say that. Thank you for giving us weaknesses. And God, we confess that we hate our weaknesses. God, we don't like to feel weak. We want to feel strong. But Lord, if you allow these weaknesses in our life to keep us close to you, dependent on you, trusting you, then God, help us to accept them and look for how you're going to showcase your power and your glory through our weaknesses. God, your grace is sufficient for us. Your power is made perfect in our weaknesses. In Jesus' name, amen.